Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. And we're going to read the scriptures together and uh, look to God's word and ask God for his blessing today as we see what God has for us. And I hope you'll have your listening guide and you'll be ready to take some notes and write some things down. But uh, read with me here in uh, 1 Chronicles. If you'll turn there, 1 Chronicles chapter 28. We're going to read together aloud verse 10. 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 10. And so find your place there and you'll have it before you hear. But I want you to read it with me. And I want you to think of these words. David is saying to Solomon his son and to the people of the Lord concerning the building of the temple, in verse number 10, take heed now, read it aloud with me please, take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary, be strong and do it. Would you underline that? Be strong and do it. There's a work God has for you and me. We can talk about it. We can pray about it. All of that has its place. But the time comes when we commit, we act upon it, and do it. Simply do what God has given us to do. And I wonder what God is speaking to you about. I know he's speaking to me about several things in the life and ministry of this church, things personally, family-wise, ministry-wise. God is always working on us, and there's room for improvement, right? And so as we think about that, we think about our need for God to guide us and instruct us through his word this morning. And so, thank you. You may be seated. Rebecca and I had the opportunity to go to Israel recently, and I mentioned some pictures that I was going to share with you, and I want to use these by way of introduction to the message this morning. As we preach about this temple that Solomon built, in 957 B.C., destroyed by the Babylonians in 587. This is an artist's rendering here. But then you can see some things that we saw while we were there in Israel as well. And so uh, we were able to go to the Western Wall. And uh, what a special time and place that was with our group. And as people were gathering there, this was uh, a Friday evening as they were preparing for the Sabbath day. This is the Western Wall, or the Wailing Wall, as it's been known, in the old city of Jerusalem. And uh, it's the only remains of the retaining wall surrounding the Temple Mount that King Herod built in his time to expand the Second Temple, and it covered some 35 acres, imagine that. And uh, so, a magnificent place and the great history there, uh, not only what you can see in the wall, but then 17 courses of stone beneath the surface as the foundation. And uh, then we were able to go and visit the Israel Museum and uh, see a model of this temple and some other things that they had surrounding the uh, city there, as well as moving down into the uh, city of David. How many of you have ever been to Israel? You've ever been there? We've had a few. And uh, so as you see this, we want to take a group, want you to be able to see this and experience it yourself because of all the different remnants and things you can find not only in the temple area, but also especially there in the city of David. And uh, such a beautiful site 
and uh, how God has worked the history of it really is amazing. And then we come to the southern steps of the Temple Mount. There are 30 steps that go up into the temple there. One's a short step and uh, one's a long step. And so you see next uh, this uh, Temple Mount area as you go up here, 30 steps, one short, one long. And there are 15 songs of a, psalms of ascent in the Old Testament. And they would recount these or recite these or even sing these as they took a long step and a short step and then as they made their way up because this was an act of reverence and worship as they approached the Lord and his house. And uh, I think it interesting also, as we saw these cornerstones, uh, Herod required the cut of these large stones so precise, we were told, that you could not get a credit card between them today. It was an engineering marvel, a genius in these stones that he had cut. One foundation stone itself is 360 tons. How did they move them? How did they actually get all this done and pro so precise there? The precision of it is amazing. And then we saw this menorah. In the old city of Jerusalem, this is a solid gold menorah on display prepared by the Temple Institute for the rebuilding of the temple. How many of you have, have read much about the rebuilding of the temple? Have you read much? You've heard about that? I'd like to talk about that, teach and preach on that and show you some things about what is being prepared and put in place for what God has for his people. But look with me back in our text here, 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and notice in verse 1. I think it amazing how God had a work for David and Solomon and the people in that day. And as God, just as God had a work for them, God has a work for us. Their work and measure stands, and it will provide the foundation for a work that God has to do yet. And I think about when you read this chapter here, you'll find the word all 24 times. This was something for all the people to get involved in. And so notice on your listening guide, the introduction, the people that are involved here. You have David, you have Solomon, you have the princes, you have the other leaders, and then the congregation. You have those who will be assembled that have gifts and abilities to actually make these stones and make these uh, big things of art that will be a part of this temple, this mighty, magnificent house of God. And you have what God is assembling here. David, in essence, is saying to the people, if you'll study this, that this is what God wants done here in this place. This is my part. This is your part. This is who will be leading the way, my son Solomon. And this is the next step we will take as a people to do what God has given us to do for his glory. That's the summary of this chapter. That's what's going on. You have the pioneer. Then you have the successor. You have the assembly of the people. And then those gifted within this assembly to help do the work that God has given to be done. And that's what God wants us to see, the people. Then you see the pattern. Verse 11 12 and 19, God gave the precise measurements, not only the measurements, but the decor and the color thereof. 
God says that we're to do all things decently and in order. The word decently means with decorum, distinctiveness, excellence. That's how God wants his work done. You see the people, the pattern, the provision. 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 14 talks about how David had assembled all the silver and the gold for the building of this great house of the Lord. That would be the equivalent of some 40 million tons of silver and gold. Everything you need, son, to do what God is giving you to do. In my trouble, I have spent these last years of my life gathering them, laboring. I wanted to build this house for God. It was in my heart. God wanted it built. But he said, you're going to gather the materials and Solomon, your son, is going to build it. That's the way this is going to be. I think about the disappointments in life because this is a grand thing going on here, but David wanted to do this. Don't miss that. It was in my heart, he says, but God says you're a man of war. You've got bloody hands. This is not something that you'll do, but your son will do. I don't know what is in your heart to do, but I want to tell you this, the vision that God has put in your heart need not be in vain because if you're willing to glorify God in it, you're not so concerned about who does it, as it were, or who gets the credit as long as the work gets done and God gets the glory. Now that's where God wants us to be. Dr. Lee Robertson says it's amazing what God can do among a people when there are those gathered who are not worried about who gets the credit. They're not saying, hey, what about me? Solomon did not become king in his father's stead and say, now listen, I know what dad said about building this temple, but I've, I've thought about this. And I want my handprint on this temple. And I don't want it to be just someone who's saying, well, God gave this to his father. I want people to say, this is my project. And so I'm going to modify this temple. The columns are going to be this high instead. And then we're going to go with a, a different decor because I want it to be more about what I want to do for God. Friend, we've got to be careful there. God determines what we do for him. He'll prove us and see if we're willing. Are we willing to follow him fully and say, Lord, I just want you to get the glory. I just want your work to prosper, to flourish, to thrive. That's all I'm after. You see the people, the pattern, the provision, and then the performance. Verse 10 and 20. We read how he said, Take heed, verse 10, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Notice verse 20. And David said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And let's remember... The servant of the Lord is indestructible until God's work is accomplished in his or her life. 
God has a work that he's doing. God wants us to be a witness through the work he gives us to do. God wants us to understand that we have a part in his work. You say, what is my part? How does God want me to not only discover, but to do his work in my life? We understand that God's ordained the local church, and in this hour, he's given us a place, a part in this local assembly, this family, this body of believers, and we find our part, we find our place, and we do it from our hearts as unto the Lord. I want you to underline that little expression there in verse 10 and again in verse 20. Do it! Someone said, when it's all said and done, there'll be more said than done. There's a lot of talkers. We talk about this and talk about, listen, what are we going to do about it? Oh, we need this and we need someone. Will you be that someone? Will I be that someone? Will this church be that someone that will say, I'll be a voice for God. I'll be the, a voice for those who are oppressed. I will be salt and light for the glory of God. That's what I'll do. I'm willing to do what God has given. Now talk about it, not go on about it. We can even pray about it. There comes a time when God would say to us, even as he did to Joshua, uh, what are you praying about? It's not time to pray. You've already prayed. But now that you have prayed, I've told you what to do. Now be doing what I've given you to do. Act upon it. Would you consider yourself a person of action? Would you consider yourself someone who actually finds a way, figures out how to take on a task or challenge and to deal with it, to address it, to meet that need, to move something forward, to better it, to add value to it, or someone who sits on the sidelines? Someone who knows what everyone else should be doing or not and how they should be doing it or not. Are you someone that is actually in the game or someone who's in the stands? It's easy to talk about what should be going on on the field until you actually get on the field. And then you realize, well, hey, I might not have done it even as good as that person tried. You know what? There's a work and it's just that. It is a work. It's a job. It's a task. It's not easy. If it was, everyone would be doing it. So how do we do this? What is the foundation of our taking action to do God's work that he's given us to do? Notice this in verse 10. Number one, and I hope you'll write this down. Number one, he says, take heed now. Write down the word heed. Take heed. The word heed means to see. Look at this and see it for what it really is. Understand it from God's perspective, the vision, the value of it. Show proper regard toward it and respect for it. It's not something that is just easy come, easy go, take it or leave it. I'll try it if I can, if I can work around it. Vance Havner said, if you have a take it or leave it mindset concerning the work of God, after a while... You'll leave it. You've got to be committed to it. He says here, take heed. See this as God sees it. He uses this expression, take heed, again in chapter 22 and verse 13. There it means to hedge about, protect, guard this sacred opportunity. Value it. Don't squander it. 
Don't expose it and make it vulnerable so that you might miss what God has for you and the people. Notice in verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a what? A perfect heart and with a willing mind. This is what God is saying. Take heed now. As you see what God is giving you, as you look without, also at the same time, remember to look within. Is my heart where it needs to be before God? The thought here is a heart of sincerity and readiness, a wholehearted delight to do what God has given you to do. I'm looking forward to it. I'm totally committed. I am all in And I am excited about what God has given me to do. I'm not going to talk it down. I'm not going to pick it apart. I'm not going to diminish it or demean it. No, I'm going to elevate it. I'm going to exalt it. I'm going to see what God has given me. And I'm going to be thrilled to serve God with my life. I remember when I was in Bible college. Here I was. I I grew up in nothing. And there was never any talk about your future and where you're going to go and what you're going to do. It's like life is awful. Woe is me. I, I wish I was dead. That was the tenor of the home I grew up in. Even threatenings along that line all the time. I remember us as siblings, my older sister driving us down the road and we were crying out loud, pleading with God that a loved one would not take her life because we always heard that. So I grew up in the midst of that. Darkness, depression, discouragement. There's no vision. There's no hope. There's no future. There's no light. There's nothing to look forward to. But God got a hold of my heart. And I thought he has a plan for my life. And that lit a fire in my soul. And I thought, hey, God has me here for a reason. I was thrilled about that. I was so excited. God has a purpose for me. My life doesn't have to be wasted or thrown away or miserable because I have no purpose and no goals in my life. I thought, God has me here for a reason. I remember walking down the halls of Piedmont Bible College, Griffith Hall, second floor. I was the RA, and I was skipping going down the hall, just praising God, and I was saying out loud, I get to serve God. I get to serve God. You say, well, Pastor, I mean, really? Hey, listen, if you came out of what I came out of, you would say, he gets to serve God. I'm happy for him. He's thrilled about this. Let me ask you, is your heart Yielded to the Lord? Are you willing to follow him fully? Wholeheartedly delight in what God has for you? He said, yeah, take heed of what God has put before you. And all the people and all the provision that I've worked these years to provide, I didn't make it about myself, son. I made it about the glory of God and the people of God. As long as the work gets done and God gets glory and people get pointed to him, that's what it's all about. He said, as you see this without, I would just take the moment to make sure you look at your heart within. Give your whole heart to this. Give your whole heart to the Lord. You know what I've learned? You know how you delight in the Lord's work continually? You delight in the Lord. 
you walk with him. I'm going to tell you, life has a way of wearing on us, <laughs> burdening us. It'll destroy us if we let it. That's why he says, if you're going to do what God's given you to do, you're going to have to take heed now. Take heed now, right here, right now. Look to God and look within. Number two, he says, notice in verse 20. And David said to Solomon, his son, be what? Be strong and, what is it? Of a good courage. Be strong. Take hold of what God's given you. Hold on to it. Cleave to this task until it's done. Be of good courage. Be alert, awake, not only sober-minded, but steadfast-minded. Be strong and of a good courage. What he's saying here is take hold of what God is giving you, determined to hold to it courageously, be steadfasted in season, out of season, no matter what you face, whatever challenge comes your way, be determined you're going to finish what you started. Now I ask you today, are you determined to finish what God has put in your heart? Are you determined to stay with it you say, well, I, I've taken on water and I, I've taken on so many hits and I want to tell you, if you're going to do something for God, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be friction. There's going to be frustration. There's going to be aggravation. There's going to be all kinds of dynamics you deal with. But ultimately, we know that the adversaries of God in Nehemiah's day, the Bible says that they opposed the workers of God because they didn't want the work of God completed. And I will tell you, it's more than about us. We have an adversary that doesn't want this church to go forward. He wants us to just kind of be small-minded, petty, vindictive. He wants us to just give in to that, that flesh nature that we all carry, battle with, still deal with within, all of that. God wants us to rise above that and grow beyond that, mature beyond that, because at the end of the day, you know what? This is about the glory of God and the good of others. It's not about us. So he says, take heed. Be strong and of a good courage. Be steadfast minded. And then he says in verse 20, fear not nor be what? Nor be dismayed. Number three, fear not nor be dismayed. Foundations for action. I want to tell you, take heed. Look and see what God's giving you. Look within and see where your heart is. Commit. Be all in with what God has given you to do. Take hold of this thing. Be undaunted. Be committed all the way through to finish what you start, no matter what you face. Don't fear. Don't be frightened. Or to look upon this with dread like, hey, it's too big for me. I can't do this. What you can't do, your God can, son. So don't be afraid of this task, nor be dismayed. The word dismayed means to prostrate, to break down by confusion and fear, to beat down, to become broken down, worn out like a steady stream of water, wearing away at a stone little by little over time. It's like we've worked and we've worked and we've labored and we're just so tired and weary with it. I remember a pastor telling me one day, he said, Brother Tim, we're at the point now to where we've worked and worked and worked and given and given and given. He said, we're so tired. We're so weary with this project. 
If somebody stopped by right now off the street and offered me $1 for this whole facility, I'd take it. He said, that's how tired we are. And then he made this statement. He said, every project, every work for God comes to a point, comes to a place to where you have to will it done. You've just got to get it done. You've got to make it happen. That's the thought. Make it happen. Don't walk away from it. Don't give in to inadequacy, thoughts and feelings of insecurity, intimidation. Keep acting upon what God has given you to do. Don't let fear and worry and doubt and weariness cause you to pause, to become dismayed, not only discouraged, but disillusioned, seeing things that are not there at the expense of seeing the things that are there. That's where a lot of people live today. God has just set the table before them and they have so many blessings and opportunity, but it's dressed in overhauls like has been said. It's like, uh, well, there's kind of work and sacrifice and toil there. I don't know if that's God's will for me or not. So instead of seeing the opportunity that God has given them to do something for his glory and the good of others, they sit back and they start imagining things that are not there. Things that really are not a part of the equation. I'm not loved, I'm not valued, I'm not appreciated, I'm not recognized. And so therefore, I'm going to pause, I'm going to sit on the sidelines. I want to tell you, if you're not careful, you're going to give in to the very, very adversary's desire for you. You're going to make it about yourself. Well, if I'm not valued, I'm not appreciated. Listen, have I ever been down that path? Well, let me ask you, have you? We're all human. So it's not a matter of being chided as much as being challenged today. Be careful. Either side of the road, you're still in the ditch. The devil doesn't care which ditch you end up as long as he gets you distracted, discouraged, and you lose heart. And you just step aside. Well, I'm not going to do this anymore. How many churches are filled with people just like that? Used to serve God, used to be excited, used to be involved, used to sing, used to serve, used to teach, but then they got hurt, they got offended, something happened, and rather than dealing with that and giving that to God and being able to rise beyond that and move beyond that, rise above it, they kind of got stuck. And now they're at a place to where they're not fruitful for God. But sometimes they get caught up in some kind of delusion. See, be not dismayed. A delusion that says, I'm not doing what God has given me to do, and I've got a reason. I'm not doing what God has given me to do, and it's not my fault. I'm not doing what God has given me to do, and everybody else, if they'd done differently, then I might have done differently. Listen, friend, you're going to have to rise beyond that. You're going to have to say, I'm going to do what God has given me to do. Come what may. By God's grace, this isn't about me. I have to give that to God. There's a work that God wants me to do, to accomplish with my life. Notice back in chapter 22. Turn there, please. 1 Chronicles 22. David is talking to Solomon about this earlier. And all the things that he's gathered in abundance for him. So he charges him in verse 13. And saying again, be strong and of good courage, dread not, nor be dismayed 
in my trouble, here's all the provision that I've gathered for you, son. He says, and the end of verse 14, and thou mayest add thereto. Would you underline that? Thou mayest add thereto. Take what I've given you, put your heart in it, bring your mind, your, your energy, your effort, your faith, bring it all to the table. Take what I've given you and develop it forward. Do something with what I've given you, son. Don't sit there and say, well, why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? Some people are going to talk yourself out of ever being used of God, ever doing something for God, because you're going to see the imperfection in life and in people, and it's there. And that's going to be your reason that you check out. And all I can say is, again, the adversary doesn't care how he gets you to stall or to stumble or to stop what God has given you to do. You know what? We're going to meet God one day at the judgment seat of Christ and give account for our opportunity, for our ability, our giftedness, for what God's entrusted us with, the experiences of life. And here's what the Bible says. God's going to give to every man according to the fruit of his... His what? His doings. Doesn't say his intentions, his prayers, what he meant to do, what he wanted to do, what he had a heart to do, what he, what he was sincere about doing one day for God. You know what? I'm just telling you, I believe there are those of us, that's where we're stuck. Because all we're doing is talking about what we're going to do one day and what we're going to do for God and what we mean to do it, what we intend to do, and all these platitudes. There comes a point, and I want to tell you this is where I'm at, and God has spoken in my heart. There comes a point where God says to us as he's spoken to me, as he spoke to his people in days of old, and he says, you know what? I'm just tired of hearing it. He said that. You weary me with your words. I don't want to hear you talk about it anymore. I want to see you do it. I'm giving you something to do. What are you going to do? What changes are you going to make? When are you going to get serious about doing what I've given you to do? You've talked, you've prayed, you've waited, you've labored, you've learned, have you not? I've provided for you, I've blessed you, I've given you things to do, things with for my glory. What are you going to do with it? There comes a point to where we commit to the Lord and we say, Lord, I'm going to take what you've given me and I'm going to add value to it. I'm going to develop it forward. I'm going to do it for your glory and for the good of others. A wealthy businessman once stated, I started out with an awful lot handed to me. He took what his father left him and turned it into a billion-dollar enterprise. Now, some people would have got an inheritance. In a matter of a little time, they would have gone through it and had nothing to show for it. But he took what he had been left by his father and said, you know what, I'm going to invest this. I'm going to put this to work. And he turned it into a billion-dollar enterprise. David said to Solomon, now take what I've given you, son, and add to it, develop it forward, do something with it. But whatever you do, do the work that God has given. Get it done for his glory. One day the work God has given us here is shining light. This work of God, we're going to hand it over to those who come after us. What will we give them? What opportunities, what advantages will they have to do something with, to develop forward for his glory? Someone has said pride kills all relationships. 
Only humble people love and forgive. Only humble people build relationships. Only humble people are willing to be instructed, directed, and corrected. We must die to self so we can do what God has given us to do for his glory and the good of others. Another said, victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. The foundations for action. We got to win before we take the next step of action. Win in our heart before God, seeing it from his perspective, making sure our heart is right with the Lord, being strong and courageous, someone who will not give in to fear or feelings of aggravation, frustration, give in to that. We all face it. We're going to give in to it. We're going to let it define us. We're going to deal with that before God and say, Lord, I'm not going to be dismayed. I'm going to take heart and take hold of what you've given me. And I'm going to take what you've entrusted me, and I'm going to do something with it for your honor and for your glory. Your biggest asset, it has been said, is your mindset. What is your mindset? Are you going to be easily dissuaded, discouraged, distracted, dismayed? Or are you going to be someone who says, I've set my face like a flint. I will not be denied. Lord, I will not let go until you bless me. I'm going to serve you with my whole heart. And by your grace, I'm going to finish what you started in me. Because you promised you would. And Lord, one day I'm going to hand over whatever best efforts I can bring to the table for your glory and the good of others to those who come after me. Now I'm willing, Lord, in my day to right here and right now do my part. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.